Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Hi, Geekscapists. The Geekscape podfather, Jonathan, here. In May, we lost one of our own, longtime Geekscapist Christopher Ellis, who was a friend and a part of our geek community from the very beginning. Chris even met his wife, Sarah, through our podcast, and their 2015 wedding seemed like a giant Geekscape party. Chris's final weeks battling in the hospital shed light on a huge national problem. The COVID pandemic has almost completely depleted our national and local blood banks. These supplies are used by thousands of hospitals to provide life-saving treatments to patients or to buy enough time for loved ones just to say goodbye. So for the next month and beyond, we're going to do it big in Chris's memory and do some good in the process. We're throwing a blood drive. Visit www.aabb.org to find a donation center near you or visit other blood and platelet donation centers like the Red Cross. And let's make things interesting. For the next month, take a selfie of yourself donating with the hashtag GeekscapeGives and tag your favorite Geekscape podcast. We'll pick some charitable Geekscapists to send prizes to, and the podcast that gets mentioned the most will also get some cool rewards. I should actually cancel the podcast that gets mentioned the least. Can I do that? Whatever. The point is, go out there and donate some blood, tag a selfie of yourself doing it with the hashtag GeekscapeGives, and get others to do the same. We couldn't save our friend Chris, but we can do a whole lot of good in his name. Geekscape forever! This week, we're joined by Punk Rock Academy graduate Adam Gorin, also known as Adam and His Package. Together, we discuss the German New Wave artist Falco and his U.S. hit Rock Me Amadeus. We discover that, surprisingly, there are several parallels in the lives of Mozart and Falco, some of which are good and some of which are tragic. But which side of the line of good and tragic does Falco land as an artist? Stay tuned to find out. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed, and you can live off royalties forever. So Adam, are you a big Falco guy? Is that why you chose Falco? Because you're just a big Falco guy? Uh, I would say I'm not a 
a huge Falco guy, although there were th- – I don't know a ton about Falco, so perhaps I am and I just haven't hatched yet. I guess there were some things that were I found interesting about Falco, and I do remember being in Vienna at some point and people being very excited about Falco. So maybe I might be a big Falco guy. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I'm a big Falco guy because, you know, in preparation for this episode, I found out a lot of things starting from the very beginning when Falco was still in the womb, which I don't know if you, <laughs> if you saw this fact, but when Falco was in the womb, he was supposed to be a triplet. But both of his siblings in the womb with him didn't make it. I believe that Falco claims he absorbed both of his triplets into himself. So he might be a triple guy. He might be a triple guy. <laughs> wow. You'd think there would at least be another syllable there, you know, let alone <laughs> more than one name. Yeah. But wow. Well, that's insert adjective of choice here, I guess. <laughs> yes. That's interesting. Very, very, very interesting. So that could be where Falco got all his ability, all his Austrian rapping maybe where it comes from. That was the first interesting thing I found out about Falco. I got to ask Matt Kelly, Matt, did you have a Falco CD? You definitely had a Falco CD. I didn't. I actually, I didn't. But it's funny because when I reached out to Adam about doing the episode, he wanted to talk about Falco, but he actually wanted to talk about a different song by Falco. And I was like, this is perfect. Let's do this. (laughs) Because Falco had a song that was a hit everywhere but the United States but it was a massive hit in the United States when it was covered by After the Fire and it's that don't turn around oh (laughs) forgive me if this is not the type of thing the show is interested in but I gather there are not too many venues where I can talk about my misconceptions about Falco related songs so (laughs) I did not know that Der Commissar the hit version here in the United States was a cover of a Falco yeah. song. I thought that they were both Falco, but that it was just <laughs> an English version. And then even weirder, like I remember the two videos for it, the one with Falco, which I think is just him dancing and maybe wearing sunglasses and not having hair. And then the English language one, it was one of those like story videos, which I think until <laughs> I was like 20, I didn't know that the story videos didn't actually legally require the band to be the people in that story. So I remember there was a beard guy in there and remembering thinking like, ah, I guess Falco grew a beard at, at somewhere along the way in making this video. But I didn't know that that was, those were two different musical artists. Yeah. He never, he never recorded an English version. So another band translated the song into English and made it a huge hit in the States. I had no idea. So I am perfectly well qualified to be on this podcast talking about (laughs) Falco. We always learn a lot on here, Adam. We always learn a lot. And the the thing that I I couldn't believe when we're talking about Amadeus, I could have sworn that there was an English verse version of this. But there is not. It's in German, correct? Really? Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's a combination <laughs> yeah, right? of both. Yeah. So Falco started learning English because he felt like if he didn't have English words in the song, it would never be a hit in the U.S. But he wasn't fluent. So it's like you get like punk and superstar and Rock Me Amadeus, but the rest is German. <laughs> 
Right. So it's kind of like I when I was digging into Falco's catalog, it was very much along the lines of that, uh, Adam, I'm, I'm sure you know about like the J-pop where the whole thing is in Japanese and then there'll be like two lines in the chorus that are in English and then back to Japanese. Uh-huh. I, it's, it seemed like that's most of Falco's stuff is... Falco was the 80s Psy. That's it's the A-pop. best way to describe it. Yes. It's A-pop. Yeah, A- Austria pop. <laughs> A-pop is the perfect way to put it. And the crazy thing is Falco's... I guess he's a rapper, right? Would you guys consider him a rapper? I'm trying to think. So, like, in Der Commissar, there are some tuneful parts. Don't turn around. So, right. I guess he could be versatile in his talent. But I'm trying to think, like, in Rock Me Amadeus, there's some sung part, but I guess a lot. And I'm also thinking of the one other song that I know by him, that Vienna Calling song. Uh-huh. Which also, yeah. I think, has some tuneful parts. So yeah, he's got he knows how to write a hook. That's like undeniable. <laughs> like right. His choruses all are actually pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I love them. Yeah. True. And so you know, Matt, I love Matt. Sent me notes. <laughs> he sent me some notes on Amadeus, but you sent me the translation, which <laughs> I, I kind of wish that the song was in English based on the translation because these would be really funny verses. Adam, I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know the actual what's going on in this song. <laughs> no, I uh, as as I as I probably prefaced this part of the conversation, like, and showed you that I know very very right. little about that's lots of things. So I'm gonna pitch something to you before you read these lyrics because <laughs> I have my interpretation of what this song is, okay. and I actually think that having Adam from I mean the iconic Adam and his package we haven't even mentioned sure. that, but sure. of of Adam and his package is actually really fitting because. Falco saw himself as a punk rocker and he was doing very new wavy synth pop music. And this song is about how he thinks that Wolfgang Amadeus was the original punk rocker. Oh, it was, right? Because he wore like pink wigs and like was like super obnoxious and thought farts were funny. And like, (laughs) I I think probably most of my education about Amadeus Mozart comes from the movie Amadeus. So I don't know. Well, you have that in common with Falco. Oh, okay. Well, perfect. (laughs) And me. (laughs) Then our conclusions will be equally valid. Right. (laughs) When you translate it, which I'm sure, and you guys have to excuse my ignorance on this, but I guess in Austria, people. I'm sorry, I have no tolerance for that. No tolerance for (laughs) for, ignorance. For not, you have no tolerance for knowing what. Is Austrian in its own language, or or did he just happen to write this in German, even though he's from Austria? I don't I know. I think German is spoken in Austria. Okay. I don't think gotcha. Austria is its yeah. own language. Okay. All right. I should know that by now, but I, yeah. I don't. Um, <laughs> in these verses that are in German, basically we find out... <laughs> I, I, I guess there's a little bit lost in translation, but basically first verse is, Rock me all the time to the top. He was a punk, and he lived in the big city. It was Vienna. It was Vienna where he did everything. He was in debt because he drank, but all women loved him, and each one called, Come on and rock me, Amadeus. He was a superstar. He was popular. He was so exuberant because he had flair. He was a virtuoso, was a rock idol, and everything called, Come and rock me, Amadeus. <laughs> that, that's... Wait, so everything called? Yeah. It said rock well, me. So mean so it started like all the women were like, Rock me Amadeus, you're great. 
But then mm-hmm. it started like inanimate objects yes. and all nouns and all things <laughs> yes. somehow yes. reached out. Oh, yes. It became very Beauty and the Beast. The teapot was called it. Everything, <laughs> oh, everything. Excellent. Was called, wanted to be rocked by Amadeus. As the story continues, it was around 1780. And it was in Vienna, if you needed a reminder. No plastic money anymore. The banks against him. Where the debt came from was probably known to everyone. He was a man of women. Women loved his punk, which I'm sure you and I can relate to there, Adam. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Women, Women love our punk. He was a superstar. He was so popular. He was too exalted. That was exactly his flair. Was a virtuoso, was a rock idol, and everything is still calling today. Come on and rock me, Amadeus. So that's it. That's the story right there. That is the translated version. So I know your mind is a little bit blown. I could tell, Adam. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking that that could sort of be transformed into a song about, I guess, anything that... Oh, no, 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 because it does specify the time. So it can't just be like anyone who is from Vienna. Change the time, and it's about Falco. (laughs) He he, He did everything in Vienna... He had a drinking problem, like it. It all. He he lived the Amadeus life in 1986. That is a good point. Is that why he wrote this? Is that what's going on here, Matt? I have no clue. From what I found in my research, it was just that he watched the movie Amadeus and was like, "That guy's pretty cool. I'm going to write a song about him." <laughs> Maybe it was uh, what what do you call that? Self fulfilling prophecy or something? Maybe he watched the movie and is like, "All right, here we go." <laughs> I have a I don't question know. though. Do you, what, do you understand what is the plastic money line Mm, about that's a good question because this was amadeus is definitely pre credit card so plastic (laughs) money in the translation here what does plastic have like another meaning other than what we think of plastic like is it does it mean like counterfeit or does it mean like money that you borrowed maybe is is what maybe I would take from that. The banks against him, where the debt came from, was probably known to everyone. Does, are, are they? Are we assuming that? Does this mean drugs? Does this mean prostitutes? Because the next line was he was a man of women, or was he spending all his money buying lavish gifts for women? Is that what that this means? I don't know. I don't remember the movie. I haven't watched it in a while. All right, let me see. Rap Genius has the, oh. the plastic money line highlighted. Nice. Wow, this song's on Rap Genius, so this does count as a rap song. So, so now I need to copy, because the genius description is also in German, so now I need to translate oh, wow. their description. This is great. This reminds me of the many, many, many Zoom meetings or Google Hangouts where you put on the like real-time closed captioning, and... If you you can kind of play whisper down the lane with yourself, because if you say what it thought you said, when you read the closed captions and you read that, it then interprets that as something slightly different (laughs) than you actually said. And then if you say that thing again and you really uh, end up getting a lot of nonsense, it's uh, very entertaining. This sounds like fun. This sounds like fun. This sounds like the equivalent of back in the early days of instant messenger. Did you guys, did you guys use instant messenger a lot? Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have smarter child on your instant messenger? Oh, absolutely. You would just talk no. to a bot for hours. Yeah, it's just a bot oh, you really? could talk to. Yeah, that, that would <laughs> no. like really respond to you. Yeah, you could have a lot of fun with that bot. Oh, that's uh-huh. nice. So I got the translation. Okay. And according to the German rap genius, it says, 
Around 1780 was Mozart's worst time. He was steadily going downhill and was no longer making money. No more plastic money means plastic money as in a metaphor for modern day credit card and debit cards. Okay. So, right. so he's he's using modern language to describe how dire things were for, for Amadeus. Right. Okay. Yeah. The 1780s version of a credit card, which I guess basically was probably going to some bank and borrowing some amount of money and saying, yo, I'm Mozart. I'll pay it back. (laughs) But then that accrued and accrued. And uh, the bank was like, you haven't paid us back yet. We're not giving you any more of this plastic money. I I could be wrong about this, but was Mozart one of those? No, no. Mozart saw his success in his lifetime. He died at, what, 35 or something? But I do think that he was, he got to see his success. He's, he wasn't one of those guys who like wasn't popular until after his death, right? I believe yeah, that. no, he was definitely if if I'm remembering the movie correctly anyway, he was actually so popular that it pissed off a lot of the other people because he was so like childish and obnoxious in real life. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when I'm not going to use any particular artist's name, but like when you're like a serious musician who's been really like hitting the grind and you've been putting in like 20 years of hard work and then like a bunch of 16-year-old kids who look good but, like, can barely play their instruments have, like, the number one song in America, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, I put so much time into this. I thought you were going to go more along the lines of, you know, talent and whatever, coolness don't always go hand in hand. Someone could be born with, like, the most crazy musical ability but be such an idiot. You know, I thought you had some sort of explanation. No, I guess because you're... Because he was talented. So I guess, like, I could imagine that, like, maybe some of the dudes who've been doing punk music from, like, the late 80s into the 90s probably weren't as charmed by, like, Mark, Tom, and Travis's, like, (laughs) fart humor being all over the radio (laughs) as much as, like, them trying to write some, like, serious political tunes and not getting, like, any attention. I think (laughs) that's probably the analogy. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. That makes sense. Hey, this Falco song was... Well, Falco's the only artist who had a song hit number one in the United States that the principal language of the song was German. Is that true? Wait, what about, oh, I guess maybe that 99 Red Balloons that must have been, was it the English English version? Number two. Oh, Oh, number (laughs) two. And there was an English version, correct? Yeah. Yeah, there was also 99 Red Balloons was on the radio, but they were the only other one that had a top 10, I think. Is it off limits to pose some questions, more questions about Der Commissar or in English, I believe it is the Commissar. (laughs) Is there any other example where there's been such a short period of time? And maybe I have my time totally wrong as to when the Falco version was released and was popular. But in my brain, they all it seemed to be pretty close because I do remember seeing the Falco version of Der Commissar video on MTV. Is there a shorter period of time between when one version of a song, I don't know, reached some level of popularity and then a remake of it reached popularity? Because we're looking at the Falco version came out in December of 1981. And the After the Fire version came out in 1982. I don't have a specific month wow. and day, but it That's is at quick. least, at, at the most, it is a 12-month turnaround. And, wow. plus, <laughs> and plus for such a similar rendition of it, like almost a carbon copy. Now, you know, I was thinking like Sinead O'Connor did uh, Nothing Compares to You. That was like five years later after like 
Prince and the Family version or, or whatever, but it was almost unrecognizably different, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and plus five years and plus the original wasn't a popular song. I'm trying to think of like in recent years, who is that's that is weird. It's almost yeah. like was Falco involved with the after the fire? Was he like, you guys should do this and do it in English and I'll collect some royalties. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. It there. seems like there would have to be some coordination for the turnaround to be that quick. Yeah, because yeah, the only thing that I could think of, but the original version wasn't popular, would have been like, I'm pretty sure SR seventy one put out 1985, and then a couple like a couple months later, Bowling for Soup did the cover no, of it. That was like a big. That was hit. years and years later, wasn't it? I don't, I don't think so. Really? Oh, okay. But 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 check. the SR seventy one version wasn't popular. Once again, like we're talking, yeah. the Falco one was internationally popular. Just not as popular in the United States. It wasn't like a top Billboard hit here, but everywhere else, I guess it was. That that's why. Well, <laughs> this is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes. We've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. So, you know. so I just checked real quick. Uh, so SR-71's version of 1985 came out on May 21st, 2004. And the Bowling for Soup version came out on July 26, 2004. So that was oh. a... All right, I'm wrong. That was a three-month turnaround okay. time. <laughs> but they were on tour together. And I think like Bowling for Soup was like, yo, that song rips. Can we cover it? Oh. And Mitch was just like, yeah, go for it. Who cares? <laughs> like, well, well, here, I'm, I just opened up. I want to know a little bit more about After the Fire. Yeah, they might be a future one-hit they're wonder a one hit, group as well. <laughs> they're a one-hit wonder, too. And their only one hit is this. This is like Dexie's Midnight Runners, who their, their yeah. only hit was 
Come on, Eileen, but that was a cover, right? It was? No, no, no. Save Ferris covered Come on, Eileen, and it was their only hit. My bad. My bad. That's what I meant. (laughs) Yeah, Save Ferris's only hit was covering Come on, Eileen. Yeah, so after the fire is the Save Ferris of the 80s, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, after the fire was a British band. They were a progressive rock slash new wave band over their 10-year career, and their only hit was their cover that they did. I'm trying to figure out how they did it so immediately. I am um, hoping this does not mess up my computer's speed in being able to translate all of my important things that I'm saying, but I'm trying to look for after the fire to see if the beardy guy that I have in my brain Uh, is actually in the band images after the fire. Uh, Maybe, maybe the beardy guy with the, yeah, I I don't think so. Oh, I see a guy with a beard. I, yeah, I definitely that, see a guy with a beard. <laughs> and the hat on? Yeah, I don't think... Falco wouldn't wear a hat. Falco had that slicked back Austrian 80s hair. I don't think he'd wear a hat. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming that Falco never wore a hat is probably a bold move on my part. Yeah, there's not a whole <laughs> lot of information on how that whole relationship happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to think that they wrote it, but completely in parallel. And then somehow <laughs> it was revealed to them that this other version existed, but they had really come to it in their own path. That would be amazing if both of these artists reached out and grabbed Rock mm-hmm. Me Amadeus from the ether. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this song was floating. Or, you know, every hear like real pretentious artists say that, like, the song just existed. I just channeled yeah, it. I was you know, say, uh, maybe it's like the it's like the Paul McCartney yesterday story, right? That like when he wrote that song, he had to play it for like fifty different people to make sure he hadn't stolen it from somebody hmm. because he like couldn't believe he had written that song. But it's that. <laughs> but also, Brian Wilson is doing the exact same thing with his song yesterday that he also wrote. <laughs> exactly. I'm kind of impressed for this song that 90% of it is sung in German, that it became a number one hit. March 29th, 1986, this song peaked at number one. Rock Me Amadeus was the number one song. And guys, listen to the songs that this is above at this time. I just did a different podcast, was just talking about this one song. Number four at the time, I can believe that it was above this, I guess. But think about it. This is America. And the song that is sung in German is above number four is R.O.C.K. in the USA by John Cougar Mellencamp, (laughs) which number five is Kiss by Prince. Number six is What You Need by In Excess. Number nine, Let's Go All the Way by Sly Fox. But I don't know. Mellencamp, Prince, In Excess. Falco is above all of these songs with a song that's not even sung in English. And the only thing I can really picture is put ourselves back in 1986 and it is i don't know i guess i'm just picturing like a lot of new wave clubs (laughs) really bumping this people doing drugs i've never heard of and this rock me amadeus song is just getting people fired up that's all i can figure out about this and chris it goes one step further because this is like one of those rare situations that because the song was successful in so many other countries, Rock Me Amadeus was the best-selling worldwide single of 1986. Wow. Wow. Now, now the comparison to those other songs, are they cuz I mean, did those songs not reach number 1 because maybe they, they had been there and had just right. been there for long enough that it's like we're yes. reaching for that new sound of Falco to to right. freshen up the chart. <laughs> right. Oh, you see that I'm just talking about March 29th, 1986. Yeah. 
period. Yeah, just uh-huh. for that moment. Like, I'm sure Kiss by Prince was number one right. at some uh-huh. point and, and whatever. But at that moment, Falco was like, hell yeah, I'm above Mellencamp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm above Prince. That's right. Apparently, this song was so gigantic. And once again, you know, Adam, a lot of songs we end up talking about on this podcast because they're one-hit wonders. And believe me, I'd love to have one hit. I always got to preface it by saying that. I mean, we'd all love to have one hit. That would be great. But a lot of the songs end up feeling very novelty music. Like Matt brought up Psy. That's a perfect example. Or the uh, Macarena. Or the, you know, a lot of these songs feel very, I don't know, (laughs) almost borderline not real song, if that makes any sense. And I kind of felt like this Falco Rock Me Amadeus song was pretty novelty, but reading this stuff, I guess it's real deal. Plus the fact that he was, you know, wasn't just the United States. This is a worldwide hit. And, you know, he was pretty famous. And this is definitely one of those episodes where our European listeners are going to be like, what are you talking about that Falco was a one hit wonder? Because he had multiple hits in other countries. It's just us in the States. We're not, we're not enjoying Falco outside of Rock Me Amadeus. (laughs) And we'd maybe give Vienna Calling a shot. But like, that was about it for us. Was there... And I could be remembering this incorrectly. So, you, you, Chris, when you were talking about the lyrics, that was just the mm. German portion that you were giving us. Is that right? Like, w- I can't remember that- if in this song, is there a listing of like 1742? Wolfgang Mozart yeah. is born. Oh, there was that. Okay. So I do remember that correctly. There's like 20 different remixes of this song. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he just kept repackaging and re-releasing it like... There's like an extended version that has a big key change in the middle of the chorus. There's like another one that has like a violin solo. Like there's all types of crazy versions of Rock Me Amadeus because you have to imagine it was a hit song and this is like the peak of like club life. So it's like, hey, if they're into it, you can get that song to play for 15 minutes and people will like still be jamming out to it. So it's just like keep putting out the extended club mixes and whatnot right right and and the song musically lent itself to be remixed by anyone however many times as a guy who grew up as a kid really liking nine inch nails i know how trent Reznor loved to do that like there would be 50 different remixes of nine inch nails songs and industrial music really lent itself to that you know you would have this one strong beat that would go throughout the whole song so yeah it was I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy to remix it, but maybe a little bit easier to remix than, you know, a typical rock song or something like that. So, and Adam, yeah, in the second verse of this song, Es war um 1780, however you say that in German, <laughs> that they do say it was around 1780 and it was in Vienna, no plastic money anymore. So that is an actual lyric. But isn't there also sort of like, I just feel like I remember that there was like, during some part and when you were talking about like it not being sort of like your conventional song i was thinking of it i was like yeah i wonder how many songs there are that just kind of have that listing part of it where they say like you know these are the dates and here's what happened on those dates but i may be totally making that up in my brain no you're you're not so i i just pulled this up on the wiki page because i remembered vaguely reading this for the U.S. release, the song was remixed to have an English background overlay stating random facts. And then it has the list of facts. 1756, January 27th, Wolfgang Amadeus is born. 1761, at the age of five, Amadeus begins composing. 1773, he writes his first concerto. Uh, 1782, 
Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart marries Conscience Weber. 1784, he becomes a Freemason. <laughs> that's that's one of the <laughs> emphasized facts. Okay. <laughs> 1791, he composes the magic flute. And this is my favorite one. 1985, Austrian rock singer Falco records Rafi Amadeus. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was a very boring couple centuries between them. It seems like if Falco was modeling his life slash music career, being spot inspired by Amadeus, then kind of in that Chris Farley modeling his life after Belushi sort of way, it seems like Falco kind of did that. Now, I'm not saying that Falco's Mozart, you know. No, but, but self-destructive for sure. Yeah, the self-destructive part and Falco, which I, I noticed, you know, I did call this a borderline rap song. Apparently, he was the first Western European person to perform rap music, you know, or something resembling rap music because it hadn't made its way there yet. And, you know, unless, you know, maybe maybe a little bit, but it seems like they're crediting Falco for that a little bit. <laughs> Sadly, just as the reasons for Mozart's death, they're they're speculated upon. I don't think anyone completely knows, but Fal Falco, he did get bad into drinking and drugs and things, but he actually, Falco died a few days before his 41st birthday in a accident, in a car mm, accident. Yeah. Yeah. He was, but, I believe he may, I think I read on one source that he was drunk driving, but yeah, he got hit by a bus and that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Don't so, drink and drive, guys, yeah, listeners. Yes. Important, important message from One Hit Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> they, I'm sure people need that message from us. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they come here for. <laughs> That's what they come here for. Yeah. We're, cha we're changing lives. When it comes down to it, you know, Falco kind of followed in the footsteps of Mozart and Musically speaking, I think that's a great person to follow in the footsteps of, but lifestyle, maybe not. I learned a lot about Falco today. Me too. <laughs> I, I, I hope that you did too, Adam, but we got to, yeah. we, we really got to decide now, did Falco bring the one hit thunder or do you guys consider this a one hit blunder is the real question here. So Matt, Matt, what, what, what are your thoughts on Falco? We'll start with you. I think I'm going to give him the thunder on this. Like beyond the fact that I think the song is fantastic, while it wasn't a hit in the States, the cover of one of his other songs is great. And then Adam brought up Vienna Calling, which also has a really good hook. Um, I do want to bring up one more weird Falco fact that I okay. learned, which is how he kind of ruined his own career with a really poorly chosen single uh, with the song Jenny, which oh, yeah. is a song written from the perspective of a rapist and murderer. Turns out, even in Austria, they weren't really interested in that being a single on the radio, and his career kind of started to peter out. That was also at the peak of the drugs and alcohol phase of Falco's songwriting, but... Yeah, yeah. kind of crossed the line on that song. And I will say, <laughs> from a musical perspective, I don't know if you know that song, Adam, but I, it was... No. Part of my playlist today, and I listen to it, and it's terrible. It's not it's a, a good song. So it is not a good song. It is like talking over music, but the talking sounds like it's not even recorded at the same. Did you notice that, Matt? Like the production of that song yeah. is terrible. Like it's not a good it's, song. The only way they describe it is it's almost written to sound. <sighs> Imagine if Stan by Eminem didn't follow the beat whatsoever and it was just someone reading a letter 
over top of over top of Dido. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. That's that's the vibe of that song. Yeah. Huh. It, it's it's yeah. Definitely definitely not a good song. But you're still giving him a thunder anyway. I'm giving him a thunder because that was a blunder in his career. But he had three thunders. So like mathematically, I'm I'm going to give him. The three out of four there, because I do think the Vienna thunder. calling is a good one, too. <laughs> you're, giving, you're giving him a, a, a technical thunder. Okay, I, I respect yeah. that. Adam, what do you think? is still passing. Thunder or blunder? <laughs> like, There's a lot of one-hit wonders out there. Is this on the thunder side of it, or is this on the blunder side of it, is the question. Now, and just so I have the criteria right, Okay. like, are <laughs> when you say the grand scheme of it, do you mean the grand scheme that is falco within the grand scheme of thing or this particular song within the umbrella of one hit wonders we're, we're talking falco here and yeah we're talking falco i i always say that the factor that i put into it sometimes is one of two things one side of it is like do i think that this artist probably deserved to have a couple more hits than they act than just the one song which I do think that Falco had enough good songs that he probably could have justified a few more hits under his belt to not be talked about by us on a podcast. The other factor is like, even if the rest of their stuff is god-awful, it is undeniable that this song is like, need it to exist. This song need it to be in the ether and on the radio and in our ears. I guess... <laughs> with the disclaimer being like that the the Jenny thing is just being brought to my attention and that as has been made clear, um, I don't know a ton about Falco, but so I think it's hard for me to weigh it and maybe I'm thinking of this way too hard. But um, so I would say it's easier for me to say the song is an interesting song and doesn't sound like other sort of hits, I think. So I'm I, I would sort of uh be inclined to say thunder although not having like if i which i will just because i'm curious go listen to jenny and look at the lyrics and i'm like oh this is monstrous and horrible then uh you know maybe <laughs> maybe falco would not get my huge endorsement that i'm sure that this uh really matters in the grand scheme of all things so i'll we'll say it's a softball thunder it's a, it's a, <laughs> you know this is a tough one for me because i like rock me amadeus Dercom, how do you, how do you say Dercomasar? Dercomasar. I think so. Dercomasar. Yeah, yeah. Dercomasar. That one's okay. So, I I like those songs. Then I put on the rest of his catalog today, and I'm like, eh. And then I start thinking about like all of the great like punk rock and new wave of the '80s that maybe wasn't getting played because Falco was hogging up the airwaves and then i see that at one point it was above kiss by prince and i can't agree with that whatsoever and then i start leaning towards a blunder here but i don't know i guess i'm on the softball thunder thing too i, I rock me all my days if it comes on that could get a party started probably i guess not really it, it got sampled in a really fun bloodhound gang song so i mean yeah. that's something right no no not really okay I guess it's a thunder. We got one strong thunder, two softball thunders. That puts it over the edge. But uh, but anyway, hey Adam. Yeah. It's really awesome. It's really awesome talking to you, man. Just before you go, I want to. Yeah. I told you before we started that that I'm a fan, and you have an extensive back catalog of music. I know that these days you're more interested in educating young minds, uh, which is <laughs> which is cool too. Trying, you know, trying. Yeah. Right. Right. And. <laughs> 
And sometimes the students find out that, oh, our teacher is an indie artist that made very avant-garde, catchy <laughs> mixture of punk rock and rap. And I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe Adam and his package, but I know that growing up, everybody, myself included, my friends, we all loved you, man. Oh, Su- that is such so, a, such so an inspiration. Nice, such an inspiration, such a cool, you know, you know that you you made music that made people that felt like outsiders not so much feel that way, if that makes sense. Uh, what that, I'm trying to say is nice here. No, <laughs> even no, if, no, no. Even, I, I, even if sounds, I'm saying it awkwardly, I'm saying no, it awkwardly, but you get it. You get it. Yeah, no, that is that is incredibly flattering and generous. And, you know, that is really nice feedback to get that uh i don't know maybe there's too much uh too much pain and too much discomfort so to get feedback that somehow i (laughs) was able to uh you know make that easier for anybody is super super nice yeah that's cool and i feel like you got at least in my circle you got a nice little resurgence last year when uh the washington football team finally became a thing (laughs) Yeah, something that you've oh, been yeah. calling out for like two decades. Dude, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was what. Well, uh, yes, that was that was uh, How- much needed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the Dude, resurgence. That's so crazy. The resurgence is fine, but the the <laughs> yes, it's about about yeah. time. But yes, that that was very, you know, in a uh, sea of not always such great news. That was a, a nice step, I think. I forgot about that. That's you were so ahead of the curve on <laughs> on, on calling that out. You know, like that's that's great. That's great. Well, yeah, I think finally. if you whine about enough stuff, of some of those things may get rectified, but not <laughs> yeah. causal. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Adam. We appreciate yeah. it, man. No, that was, that was really really fun. So thank you so much. Yeah. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Lafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Runiverse off the Punchline remix album, Politefully Dead. Visit punchlion.com for merch, new music, and upcoming shows. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. You are my universe. You are my universe. I'm just a I don't know. Everyone has a podcast now. Well, not really. What is true is that, according to Nielsen statistics, 55% of the U.S. population, that's over 155 million people, have listened to a podcast, and 24% of the population, that's 68 million people, listen to podcasts weekly. And these numbers continue to trend upward. 
What's also true is that over 75% of all podcasts fade away after the first few episodes. It could be for a variety of reasons, lack of strong concept, poor production value, people not realizing how much time needs to be dedicated to it, or simply just not knowing how to get the word out about podcasts. That's where WeKnowPodcasting.com comes in. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have a combined 25 years of podcast experience, and we can help you achieve your podcasting goals. Whether you need help starting a new podcast or want to take your currently active podcast to the next level, we got you. From consultations to concept development, from theme music to editing, promotion, animation, graphics, you name it, and we're here to help. Don't become another failed podcast statistic. Let us guide you and help your show become a success. Check out the website at WeKnowPodcasting.com. And even if you're on the fence, don't hesitate to reach out. We're friendly guys, we're passionate about pods, and we're here to help. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Who out there? Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!